2 Corinthians 5, we have been hovering over this little bit of scripture in various ways for the last month and a half, and I don't see any time soon leaving it, crazy enough, but this is just what the Lord is doing right now and has me sharing. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17, this is going to sound familiar. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come, the old has gone. Does that sound familiar to anybody? The new is here. All this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? What's reconciliation? What does that pertain to specifically? Relationship. Amen? So reconciliation has everything to do with relationships. Everything to do with relationships, completely and utterly. Um, so he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who here has the ministry of reconciliation? Who here? That's everybody. Listen to me again. God has given us, according to the word, who is us? So who are the ministers of reconciliation? Okay, there's like eight of you raising your hands. Who are the ministers of reconciliation? Here you are. I'm trying to get it into your heads what I'm talking about here. Those in Christ Jesus are ministers. You say, don't you keep saying this every Sunday? Yes, because I'm trying to get you to hear that God, verse 19, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us. He committed to us this message of reconciliation. Everyone read with me verse 20. We, emphasize we, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How many of Christ's ambassadors are in the house today? That's what I want to see. That's us, ministers, those who are in Christ Filled with Christ, the life of Christ. Not your life has a sticky note with Jesus written on it, but your life is dead and his life is in you and you've been made new. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what does an ambassador of Christ look like? Well, let's just back up to verse 14 through 16 very quickly. You ready? Verse 14. I love this section of verse. For Christ's love compels. Say love. What makes an ambassador of Christ do what he does? Love. Everybody say love. Christ's love compels us. Compels means, oh, I don't just, uh, I guess I'll do it if I feel like it. No, compels means I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because of Christ's love. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So last time I'm going to do this. How many ministers of the gospel are in the house today? How many of Christ's ambassadors are in the house today? Your hands are raised, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done in you, but has called you to. There used to be kind of this old cliche phrase, the frozen chosen. I don't want to be a frozen chosen because I don't even know if they're acting like they're chosen, if they're just being frozen. 
What do you mean frozen chosen? It means I'm not really living what I say I'm supposed to be living. I come off all pious like I got it all together, but I don't lift a finger. Sounds like a Pharisee, doesn't it? I don't lift a finger to help my brother or sister. I don't want to be that. And that has nothing to do with being Christ's ambassador at all. So how do we do this? Well, verse 16, and this is where we're going to center in on. So if you haven't followed in your Bibles, follow now. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard who? No one from a worldly point of view. Stop the presses. From now on, we do not regard anyone from a worldly point of view. If you are viewing anybody by the world's standards, I don't care if you agree with them or not. If you are viewing them from the world's standards, you are wrong. And you are not living the life of Christ. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We don't do that any longer. You say, well, what are we getting at here? Well, here's the thing. Love. There's that overused but very misunderstood word. God's love is an unconditional love that walks in grace and mercy. How many of us are very gracious? Very gracious with little ones, when they don't exactly do what you hope they do. And yet, do you operate in the same grace when you're a teenager? Does the same things your two-year-old did? We have different standards. Now you say, hey, that's based on expectations. Correct, but it also impacts how we respond. And oftentimes, it's based on Differing grace. Let me get into what I'm talking about here real quick. Love. When we love people, it's not our love, but it's Christ's love in us poured out. In fact, everybody follow this real quick. Everything we do, ready? Everything we do as ministry, if it is not birthed out of love, is garbage. I'm going to say it again. Anything we do if it's not birthed out of love, it's garbage. Well, those are some good things we do. Sure, sure. Eternally, it has no value, but sure, those are some good things. But if it's not birthed out of love, it's garbage. Anybody ever been on the church board before? Decades back, up till now. How many times when people get in a room and get focused on a particular item and then their eyes are off of Jesus and on the item, does suddenly something, whatever gets birthed out of that isn't necessarily God's best. I would love for us at board meeting, let nothing be birthed out of here that's not from love. I'd love that for the sanctuary, let nothing that is birthed out of here be birthed out of anything but love. Everything we do is birthed out of love. We do not view people or any ministry from a worldly standpoint. I'll keep moving here in a second. 1 Corinthians, you don't have to look, but I'm just going to read this. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. Repeat that after me. Do everything in love. Colossians 3, 14 says, over all your virtues, peace, patience, goodness, all that stuff. It says, that's not good enough. 
Over all those virtues, put on what? Love. So over virtues, put on love. Ephesians 4 says, speak truth. Hey, that's great. I've met a lot of people who can speak truth, but they're jerks. <laughs> Who's ever had a jerk tell you the truth? Oh, I have, and it's not fun. Because you're sitting there going, well, I know, but you're a jerk. <laughs> now, how many have ever had somebody tell you the same truth, but said it in love? And you soak it, don't you? It might hurt. You're like, ooh. But what began to enter therein? Even if no period of time before it starts to soak in. You say, oh, you're being rough. No. Anything birthed out of anything outside of love is garbage. Quote the word of God. Satan does it. And when he quotes it, what's coming out of his mouth is garbage and condemnation and criticism and judgment. When Jesus quoted this stuff, he did it out of love. Not everybody liked it. But no one could sit back there and say, you know, he was a jerk. No. Someone who wants to say things to you and then not do a thing to walk you through it. What I know about Jesus is he might have called some people brood of vipers, but he also laid down his life for them too. He backed it up, didn't he? Why? Because it was birthed out of love. He was for real. Galatians 5, 6 says this, the only things that, that counts, look at your neighbor, say the only thing, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's it. That's the only thing that counts, is faith expressing itself through love. Honestly, let's think about this for a second. When Adam and Eve were created, and they were in the garden, and it says they were made in whose image? And God is who? God is who? God is love. That's the only real place in the Word where it specifically says God is what? Love, specifically. So, guess what God's image is, folks? What is God's image? Love. What is God's image? Love. So then he says two times in the word, both to Adam and Eve, because they were starting the thing off, and then to Noah and his family, because they were restarting the thing off. He says, go forth and what? No, well, we'll get there in a second. Go forth and what? Multiply. When we read that, we're like, that means have lots of chillings. No, that doesn't mean go have lots of children. Yes, that's a given, but come on. Go forth and multiply what? My image. What is his image? Oh, am I losing you already? What is God's image? And what is our image? If it's in Christ. Love. So why do this? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me read this one verse. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other. Deeply, I like where they add deeply in the scripture, deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin. See, love doesn't excuse sin. Love doesn't say, oh, that's okay. But love does not attempt to destroy 
the person in their sin either. If anything, it exhibits a grace that maybe this person has never seen before. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself. So what does love look like? We're going to land right in just two other places. 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody knows this one. 1 Corinthians 13. If we could turn there super fast. 1 Corinthians 13. Just backing up a hair. Thank you guys for bearing with us today. 1 Corinthians 13. You guys know this point of, uh, uh, point of Scripture, but we're going to just touch in. What does this love of the Christ ambassador, what is this love that compels us? What does this love look like? Well, let's look at verse 4. Everybody's heard this before. Love is what? Love is what? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Another word there is it doesn't take offense. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never what? Love never fails. So the bottom line is love is the issue. Does everyone see this? Okay, three people did. Love is the issue. Does everybody see this? Love is the issue because it does these things. You say, well, what are you talking about love's the issue? Well, here's the bottom line. If I lack patience... Should I get on my knees and beg God for patience? No, you know what I probably should do? Is realize that I don't have a patience issue as much as I have a love issue. Because love is patient. So if I'm not patient, I've got a love issue. If I have a hard time being kind to people, oh, I've met people who, who, who their identity is just being gruff and grumpy. I'm never like that, ever. Oh. <laughs> I, I spent half of yesterday in bed just sick, and my wife's at the beginning, she's like, you were awful grumpy. And I'm not grumpy. <laughs> I didn't feel good. But I didn't feel good with love. <laughs> if I struggle to be kind, it's because I have a love issue. I have you know what I'm saying? Now let's look at this. Just, just go down. If I have a problem with jealousy, it's because I have a love issue. If I have a problem with boasting and bragging, it's because I have a love issue. If I don't value other people, it's because I have a love issue. Oh, and the bottom line, I, I like this one where it says, it, it, it says uh, it's not easily angered. It doesn't take offense. If I get offended over anything and everything people say, and you know who you are, and it's the most rampant thing going on in our society today, if I take offense over people's words, I have a love issue. And I can try to blame them till the cows come home. I've got a love issue if I keep taking offense. In fact, you know what? Let's land there. We're going to talk about the spirit of offense the rest of the day here. Spirit of offense. People who get offended have the problem, not the ones who do the offending. You say, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, when someone wrongs me, and see if this sounds like anybody, when someone wrongs me, 
Either I instantly feel or after brooding start to feel a need for justice and fairness to rise up within me. I feel as if I inherently have the right to be angry or even to exact revenge for the wrong they have committed against me. There is not a person sitting in here that at some point in your life, and I can guarantee it's more than one, you have allowed someone's words or actions, whether they were intentional or not, to offend you. And very, 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 very best guess is you blamed them for it. Well, they're the ones that said it. They're the ones that did it. But you're the breeding ground, not them. You're the one cultivating the offense, not them. You're the one that's allowing it to, 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 to fester inside of you, not them. What are you talking about? Well, here's the thing. Proverbs, how, how many know that we've, we've been brought up? Oh, my goodness, I did guidance counseling. I did this little, we did this series called Do So. It was this little dolphin puppet. <laughs> and you talk to the kids about good and bad habits and this, that, and the other, and self-esteem, self, you know, all the good stuff that you learn in elementary school as a guy, and you do as a guidance counselor. But here's the thing. Um, we have, we have said and made it a point to listen to what the world has to say about things like, if people hurt you, it's okay to what? Not necessarily fight, but it can bother you. You shouldn't let people talk to you like that. You shouldn't let those things be said about you now, yeah, we go down. We go down the list of, of of ways to how to appropriately deal with that. But it's still just a given. Hey, if somebody says or does something to you, sure you're going to be upset about it, right? Don't we just? Isn't that what we've been taught our whole life? And yet, what does Proverbs say? There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. So what are we talking about here? Well, Matthew 24. Jump with me real fast to Matthew 24. I'm almost done today. Matthew 24. My man over here, he's like, please be done. Please be done. <laughs> I'm getting there, my friend. I'm getting there. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 10. As soon as you're there, let me hear you say amen. Okay. Verse 10. At that time, this is Jesus talking prophetically. At that time... Will turn away from the faith. Who has a King James in here? Who has a King James? Uh, Sarah, I believe if you look at that verse, it actually says, Many will be offended, correct? Is that what it says? Verse 10? Many will take offense. That's really the broader term. What will happen here? During the end times, many will be offended and then turn from the faith. And they'll start to betray one another. And they'll start hating one another. You go on to verse 11. It says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. In other words, whatever love is left is gone. And do you remember a couple weeks ago when I, I shared with you what I feel like the complete opposite of love is? Self. So when love goes, the only thing left to rule is what? And how many know that's not good? 
I am so glad I'm not God, or all y'all would not be here. <laughs> you feel the same. I know, Cassandra's up here, Dave, really? No, I'm just joking. But you know what I'm talking about. Even for a moment, you get frustrated, you get angry, you get hurt because people did this or didn't do this or blah, 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 blah. Matthew 24 says, many, say many, just please, many will be offended. Boy, aren't we kind of walking in that right now? Many will walk in offense and will stay offended. Luke 17 says very clearly, it's impossible to avoid being offended. It happens, or offenses to come your way. But you know what? Not so much of the Christian life, or so much of the Christian life, and I want you to understand, if you really looked at everything from the Beatitudes to everything else, much of the Christian life is learning how to be transformed and walk not being offended. That's most of the Christian life. Learning to deal with offenses. And how many people fail miserably? And yet, here's the problem. You, me, that's the problem. We have a love issue. We have a love issue. I mean, let's look at some of the basic points of people who take offense. I get very offended very easily. Usually, there's an entitlement to it. There's pride. Well, that's all of us. Unfairness, respect, feeling like you better respect me. You ever met a person who struggles with feeling respected? He or she makes sure you know that they need to be respected. And you feel like you're dancing on eggshells around them because guess what? You might say the wrong thing and they may feel disrespected and guess what? How can you even have a relationship with a person who is scared, that you're scared to death of offending? How? There is no relationship in offense. Has anybody noticed that you can't, you got to be careful what you do on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but I know people do. Be careful what you say on Facebook. Be careful what you say on Twitter. Oh my goodness, I feel like, you know, let's just shut all that down and start over again with just regular news. <laughs> And not what everybody thinks. Have you noticed that the news is basically what everybody thinks now? It's not really what happened. It's what everybody thinks. You're scared to death to do anything. And the problem is, guess where a lot of this takes place? In the church. I'll never forget being interviewed years ago. I was interviewed at a church, and uh, they wanted to bring me on as the pastor. And in... Um, they, they, I'd had my second interview, and they sat down with me, and one, one gentleman to my right-hand side, he looked at me and said, now, there's a, I want to just share with you, there's a particular couple that I would like you, when we uh, have your trial sermon, I want you to go and just spend some special time with them. Well, of course, I'm sitting there going, oh, they just answered this for me. Special time? Well, they just really get bothered very easily. Well, ain't no amount of special time I'm going to be able to spend with them is going to change that. They're the one with the problem, not me. 
I am not going to come in here as your pastor and spend the whole time propping this person up. I got more people to work with and love on. You want me to prop them up? Uh-uh, wrong guy. Can't do it. I'm so glad that the Lord made it clear that that was not what we were supposed to do. And so when we look at those things and we say, you know what? I'm allowing a f- being offended to consume my relationships to the point where, and, and this is one of the things I love about people who get offended so easily. They usually have very few true friends because everybody's scared to say anything to them. And that's why they end up in the same little circle as everybody else. Why they have all the same friends? Because they all feel the same way. And so now they don't even want to listen. And I will say this. People who are easy, the more offendable you are, the less teachable you are. I'm going to tell you right now. The more offendable you are, the less teachable you are. Bottom line, the, more, the less love you have, the less love you've believed and received, the less love you have for other people, the less teachable you are. The less transformable you're becoming. Not that God can't do it, but you're shutting it down. And you say, I'm supposed to be an ambassador of Christ. I'm supposed to be minister. I have met ministers who are the most unteachable people. And what does their ministry ultimately look like? It's not very fruitful. I have met churches that are scared of their pastor. I'm trusting that's not White Hill. (laughs) Not at all. I've met churches that are scared of their pastors because they're scared to say the wrong thing. And they know there's some things that need to be corrected. They know that there are some things that need to be shared, but they won't. And I'm going to tell you what, folks. I do struggle with this in my sensitivity. I I struggle with uh, easily being offended. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm realizing more and more that if if I truly begin to surrender to the fact that Jesus... This is what you say, who you say you are. This is what you said you've done. This is who you say I am. When I take hold of that and begin to believe that, receive that, and let that transform me, the less offendable I get. I mean, at some point in time, if you really let Jesus do a, a, the Holy Spirit do his thing in you, people problems won't be any more problems. Have you ever noticed how that's the people stuff that always keeps us? So then we naturally blame people, Right? When actually, who's to blame? We are. So we blame our issue with people stuff on the people when it's really our fault. Well, how's it our fault? Well, you may be blinded to the fact that you have a love problem. You may be blinded to the fact that you have a love issue. And guess who wants to change that and you have all the hope in the world? Jesus. Holy Spirit can change that right now. But see, many of us, and, here, and here's the sad part. So they'll come in the office, or they'll sit down, or they'll say, I've got a problem, and I want to do this. But then you begin to share these kind of things, and guess what? Tends to cancel. Oh, we've had people so angry at us in counsel simply for saying, why don't you, let's do a Psalm 51. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Oh, wrong thing to say. Don't you know... 
that this is everybody else's fault? This is everybody else's fault. Now, folks, this is the culture we live in right now, blaming everybody else. Is it very fun right now? Kind of stinky, if you don't, if you ask me. You don't know what you can say, what you can do. But you know what? Here's the thing. Let's take this as an awesome opportunity. Lord, as a believer, I'm going to stop being offended by what the world is saying about me because right now, Christians in general are viewed as despicable human beings in the United States. Okay. I have a hard time with that because most people make the determinations like that really, I don't even know how much they've actually, maybe they've been crossed by someone who was in a church or someone who was a believer who has allowed their self to take over and run the show and really get nasty. But I'm going to tell you what, they don't know all of us. And I'm going to tell you what, there are, there are those that really are surrendered to Jesus Christ who are sitting here going, I can't. I can't do this. I can't be all you want me to be. But boy, he's changing me in what he wants me to be. I can't, but he can. I tried and I failed. He's already done and it has succeeded. To God be the glory. And so I want to stand firm in the fact that, you know what? In spite of, oh, even some of these issues, political issues, oh, yes, I believe what the word says about everything from sexuality to, 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 to loving, loving your neighbors. I mean, let's just throw it all into one big bunch. But the bottom line is, I've got to be Christ's love in every situation. I don't have to embrace every situation, but I need to love. And I'm going to caution you on a couple other things very quickly. The next time a Jehovah's Witness stands at your door and knocks... I'm trusting that you don't slam that door in their face. I'm so thankful. I just say, Tracy, we're, we're regulars now on their stop. In fact, they show up and I come to the door, they're like, oh, it's you. No, I've never slammed the door in their faces. But it's usually I got to go somewhere. It says, hey, I'm baking bread. I'm doing it. Come on in. And guess what she does for the next hour and a half? She loves them. She doesn't sit there and go attacking the fact that your theology is wrong and you're headed for hell. Hey, okay, as far as I can tell, their theology is wrong, and if they don't have Christ, they're headed for hell. But me telling them that and then slamming a door because we don't want any... Am I just simply contributing to their going to hell? Or am I being a Christ ambassador of love? I'm just asking. And that doesn't put us up. I just, I, I think it's kind of cool. They come to our door because they know. I mean, they know I'm a pastor. And they still want to come in. Come on in, let's talk. And that's usually what they do. They just want to talk. At the very end, we get a piece of their literature. Okay. But we, Tracy, we've loved them. And isn't that what's going to bring about the change? 
being Christ's ambassador. Right? Not fighting in courts, not fighting, you know. The Samuel, I can't ever pronounce, the new moderator for, what's his name? Samuel Sarpia. One thing I appreciated was this. Of course, the great divide going on in the Church of the Brethren, the denomination. But what I loved was this. They said, he said this. <laughs> he said, I'm going to tell you right now, the word is very clear about going to court. And nobody in his denomination has any business taking a brother to court over property or anything else. Because we've seen it in other denominations, right? Uh, fighting over property. The body of Christ? Hello! What kind of garbage is that? How do we look any different than the rest of the world? We're just taking Jesus' face and just rubbing it in the mud. Why are we out to get our stuff? That's the problem. Why are we so easily offended? Because we are still wrapped up in self rather than in Jesus. Who hears that? Who hears that? Now you say, well, that's kind of harsh. It's truth. When are we going to make a difference in the United States body of Christ? When we truly become Christ's ambassadors of his love. Stop worrying about what everybody else has to say. I don't like it when I'm sitting at the same differences and I am told what a terrible person I am because I wouldn't do a same gender wedding. You're such a homophobe. You're saying, I'm not afraid. I want to love. But I know what the word says. So here's the thing. I'm not going to turn it into a let's duke this thing out and try to prove who's wrong and who's right. No, I probably better love that person even more. And the only way I can do that is, is get my eyes off of myself and what I have to say and what I have to prove and start getting my eyes on Jesus and letting him do the work. So it is possible to stand on what we believe the word of God is very clear on without coming across. <sighs> And you know what I'm talking about. It is very possible. That's why it says, speak the truth in love. Don't you dare open your mouth until it's coming out of love. Don't open your mouth until it comes, well, you're doing it in love. I'm just going to ask one last time, how many people have spoken truth and it wasn't anything but love? Oh, I've read scripture trying to prove my point. No love coming from it. And that's what it felt like, too. Is it a wonder it's such a turnoff? Now, I will say this. Love can also just shut people down. But then, now the ball's in whose court? I can't do a thing about it then. Just keep praying and interceding and saying, thank you, Jesus, that you are going to do a mighty work. Been praying for Jim Bunyard for years. Keep it up, Lord. Keep it up, Lord. Do a mighty work in this man. Oh, guys, we've got to let self be broken from over us so that we can be what God's called us to be. Okay? You say, Dave, you got long again. I so, if three of you catch this, it's going to change Stuart's draft. <laughs> if six of you take a hold of this and get your eyes off you and let his love come flowing out, it's going to turn the lives of people upside down.
So we truly become transformed lives being used to transform the world. Amen? Who wants to be that? I'm called. I am called. You are called. I'm not equipped. You're not equipped. I'm just called. He's going to equip me in my calling. I in no way was supposed to be up here preaching in the skill set that I had. I couldn't even, I'll never forget. Okay, I got to shut up because we got to eat. Eighth grade, doing my book report. I'm not done yet. Senior year at JMU, doing my communications speech. I didn't do real well on them. At all. It wasn't until something happened my second year of grad school, they asked me to speak in chapel. I'm like, oh my word, what? I shared in chapel and the Lord opened my mouth. And from that point on, the only time I really run my mouth, puns, unless I'm picking at Chrissy Thompson or Cindy Smiley, (laughs) is when I'm preaching the gospel. He called somebody who was not equipped by world standards, but he equipped me because he called me. And he's doing the same with y'all. So instead of us living under the offense of my past, my present, what could happen to my future, look what people think, this, that, you know what? The bottom line is this. If you truly had a grasp of God's love for you and what he wants to do in you and through you, what people think doesn't matter because you no longer view them from a worldly point of view. You view them with godly eyes. You see what God has made before it's actually sitting in front of you. So, I'm going to love Tim Holcomb. It's hard sometimes, but I'm going to love Tim Holcomb. Because I know that God has called that man right there to something mighty. And he may not be living it right now. And remember, everything I say is just joking, right? Or just examples. He may not be living it right now, but you know what? God has called him, and I'm going to view him according to that. God, he has been made in your what? So therefore, he has value, whether he is completely off or not. I'm I'm going to be that to him because I want him set free. I want him delivered more than I want me delivered and me set free. But me getting set free is going to have to happen so that I can see him set free. If I want to see him, Dave over here delivered, that's my desire. You desire that for everyone around you, even those that disagree with you. Lord, we have love issues. (laughs) But we're asking now, Lord Jesus, that it begin to break down from off of us. And your love begin to fill us and change us and transform us and move in. Speaks and use us, God. That then, Lord, it's not about us trying to make something happen or speak something to, to get a point across, but it's your love flowing out of us into the lives of others. God, it's just, it ha- can happen everywhere. It happens every day. Lord, we're praying more and more and more. Here we are. We just, just surrender ourselves to you. We submit under your mighty hand. You said you'll lift us up in due time. We don't even have to strive to be lifted up. You'll do it. God, we just give ourselves to you right now. And I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name. We don't have to walk around being offended by what people say. 
being afraid of what they might think. No, Lord God, we already know what you say. You love us. There's no reason why you do, but you do. You show us grace. You show us mercy. Now, Father, we just want to give you glory and honor right now, Lord. I'm just gonna, I feel led to do this just with all eyes closed. I just want to do this very quickly. Is there anybody here today who says, you know, I really, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus because I'm tired of pressing in uh, on my own strength and I just keep failing and I keep getting beat down and I keep getting uh, offended by what everybody else says and this, that, and the other. I don't want this anymore. I want the love of Jesus to just fill me and transform me and change me and fill me and forgive me and set me free. I want that so much. Lord Jesus, you are all I've got. You are the only way. If there's anybody here today, just slip your hand up real quick and say, I just want to surrender my heart to Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. 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 Let's just pray together. Jesus, we just surrender ourselves right now to you. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. We surrender under your mighty hand. We do not want to live by our own strength in our own sight, in our own what we hear. We're tired of it. We're exhausted by it. We don't want to live afraid anymore. But the bottom line is, Jesus, without you, we are nothing. Without you, I have no eternity. Without you, with you, I have eternity in hell. God, I don't want any of those things. I want to be what you created me to be, and here I am. Use me, God, in a mighty way. So I ask you to forgive me of the sin in my life which you have and you are and you will and you have done successfully, uh, paid the price there in Jesus' name. Thank you for forgiving me and thank you for washing me whiter than snow. And I now say, fill me with your life. The old is dead, the new has come. Here I am. Now what he's declaring over those who have prayed that and have just surrendered their hearts to Jesus, he's declaring, you are my child. I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. I've set you apart. I know every hair on your head. I know you're going out and you're coming in. <coughs> I know who it is I created you to be. And I say today, come forth, oh man and oh woman of God. Come forth, for you are mine. To God be the glory. In Jesus' holy name. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer today, you just surrendered your life to Jesus in any way, shape, or form, just tell me in the back. Let me know. I just want to rejoice with you. Let me have you stand right where you are. God, we give you praise. We give you honor and glory. And Lord, we pray blessing over the food as we eat it out there today. It looks like the sun's coming out. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. What's up, my friend? Bye, Annalyn. Thanks, brother. Hey, love you, buddy. Good to see you, man. Hey. Good to see you. Give me a call. Well, can, no, you can't give me a call when you don't have my number, so. <laughs> Could you do me a favor? You see this guy right here in the yellow shirt? Okay. Hey, Jerry, yeah. can you give him a piece of paper and a pencil just to write down his phone number and get to me? I want to get in touch with you, Dave. All right? Hey. hey. God bless, bless you. you, brother. Love you, man.
Shelly, welcome back. It's good to see you. Hey, hey, hey. I love you. Love you. Very much. I'm so glad the Lord's doing something in you. <laughs> and, and, and I was so offended. <laughs> I love you. Thank too. you. Love you. Hey. hey, sweetie. It's good to see you. Oh, now, do you, you all don't have anything for sixth graders? Oh, yeah. We got you, middle school like ministry. Yep. Okay. We'll start right at uh, five is dinner, six is when that starts. Tracy or one of them will be in contact. Is it Jane you're talking about? Yeah. They'll be in contact too. But yeah, this Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Okay. Okay? Thanks. Oh, awesome, man. I'll be in touch. All right, okay. Good. Take Thank care, you. buddy. <laughs>